Welcome to our podcast, An Uneven Playing Field. I'm Jen. And I'm Mike. And we're here with facts versus opinions. So, Mike, you want to get us started on our um, wonderful podcast today? Yeah, the first one, the uh, the inaugural version. Yes, episode one. Yeah, Are you ready? I am. Oh. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot uh-huh. of a lot of football drama happening out yeah, there. Yeah, lots of drama. Off season drama. Yeah. It'll probably roll into the into the regular season. Yeah. Uh-huh. You think the um, Steelers are going to have some issues? The Steelers have plenty of issues. Yeah. They had plenty of issues last year, and they're going to have plenty of issues this year. But aren't they getting rid of their issues? Yes. Yeah, but I don't think it stops there. No. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it stops there because you still have the person in charge is still obviously out of control. Doesn't have control of his team. Although him, when um, the coach, oh my goodness, Tomlin, Blake Tomlin, uh, suspended Le'Veon Bell, wouldn't let or uh, Antonio Brown the last game of the season. That showed me that he did have the best team's interest at, at that moment. But I think he was also doing it to save his ass, you know, yeah. to save his own job. You know, and that's why he did it. Knowing that if he didn't and they lost that game, you know, and he let him play, he completely has lost control of his team, and I think they would have gotten rid of him as, you know, that would have been Pittsburgh's intentions. Obviously, they're not getting rid of Ben Roethlisberger. Right. You know, he's obviously their franchise player. You know, do you Everybody think that's right? Everybody loves him. No, I think he's a good player. And so you think he's he's proven himself He's enough. proven himself. I think yeah, that the one problem... Yeah, Super Bowls and... Yeah, I think the problem is... I do think there's bad coaching. I think that there's an issue with the discipline on the team. I think that clearly the players don't care what he says. You don't see that in Patriots. Belichick's like, I don't care if there's a blizzard. Get your butt here. That's true. You will show up. That's true. I guarantee you these people weren't showing up in a blizzard. He has no control over his team. But you see it all over the league and other leagues. But you, you do. You see that, you know, the player is becoming much more selfish, which is something else that we're kind of talking about. Sorry about that. Our dog went a little crazy. Had to control her. So, yes, that's another thing that we want to talk about eventually. But Yeah, so, I mean, you know, how much of it do you think is the fact that Mike Tomlin has lost control of his team? Or do you think it's just the way that the players are now? You know, or do you think it was because of certain players on the team? I think that it is definitely it definitely shows where the world is at today with how selfish people are in general, but I think if you have good leadership and you have good uh, quality team, a good quality team that they work together and not against each other, they're not making jabs at each other and you know it's his fault or her, uh, you know this other guy's fault. Um, that I didn't play well or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be that week. Like, I think, honestly, it's the coach. The coach needs to get it all in check, and then they also need to have a team dynamic yeah. where they all spend time. Antonio Brown talks about it in his interview. Yeah, he did say that. And, you know, and that's you can agree with that, you know, that players should be getting together in the offseason. As a team, you're supposed to gel together, especially with these, you know, he's right, these are guys you go to work with, and you should have a relationship. It doesn't mean you have to like the guy. You know, you don't have to like everybody on your team, but you got to play together. 
You know, you guys are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a unit. It's a team sport. You know that from day one whenever you first start playing football. It is a team sport. It's become, and especially on a professional level, more I, I, I. We're seeing it a lot in college, which I personally think is bullshit, you know, and that's, you know, a whole other $20. The, uh, but you know that right from the start that it is a team sport. So you do things together as a team. Like in, in football camps, even in high school, you do certain activities that have absolutely no football use. You aren't learning any kind of skill. You're not going, you're not running through the offense, not running through the defense. You know, you're not doing, you know, any kind of drills, nothing to work on agility. You're not lifting weights. You know, even though all those, of course, are, you know, the meat and potatoes of everything, you do certain activities as a team. And it's to build that, that team unity, you know, and those, and, and those bonds and whatnot. That's why you do them. Like, you know, I remember we used to have ta- talent shows. You know, and, you know, the, the freshmen were always the one who had to do, you know, something outrageous or were put on the spot and everything. And that was, you know, again, it was all for laughs and good fun and coaches would come and whatnot. But that brought people together as a team. You know, you go away for camp somewhere isolated. You know why the purpose of that is because you're only surrounded with people within the organization. That's it. People within the team, the team structure, who you're going to be around so you can form those relationships. So, yeah, I think it's important. I think Roethlisberger is a leader of the team. You know, and he's proven that. And I think, you know, that's, uh, you, you need to have that. I think they would be stupid to abandon Roethlisberger. Um, so I, I don't think that if, if the Steelers organization would have chosen anybody others, anybody else's side other than Roethlisberger, I think that would have been a foolish move. I think you have to back the guy who's been there. And you know is going to be there, regardless of who else is around him. You know, even though he may not be right. Like whenever he called Antonio Brown out on his route running, mm-hmm. you know, against the Broncos, whenever it was a poorly thrown ball, it was a terrible, terrible pass. Everybody will say that it was a horrible pass. And yes, he called him out, but he's also right. You know, he does need to come flat on that route. He's correct in what he's saying. It still was a horrible pass, even if he came flat, it wasn't going to be complete. So he did throw him under the bus. But I still think you have to take the side of the true leader of your team. And what I see in Pittsburgh is that they're doing that behind their quarterback. They're not doing that behind their head coach. They're not. And you hear, you see all of these things happening, and this is so unlike Pittsburgh. The Steelers organization has been known to be one of the most stable and most reliable organizations in all of football, in all of sports. It was a place that guys could come, spend their career. They would be happy. You know, the ownership took care of them. And now you see more and more coming out. I mean, do you think that's a fact of the media? Do you think it's because of spoiled players? No, I think it's because of spoiled players. And that goes into the locker room. Now you've got locker room fiascos happening where, you know, they're trying to control the locker room, get it better under control. You've got Antonio Brown uh, doing live streams of the coach talking to the players and amping them up for the team. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, that's that should not be allowed. Like, you should be listening to your coach, not yeah. playing on your phone. And, Correct. you know, this is the type of players that he has so if it has always been better than it is right now then you need to look at you know correcting your locker room you know your one bad apple spoils a bunch i wouldn't want either one of those two Le'Veon or antonio on my team i don't care how great they are they'd be out done yeah I, i agree in a sense i am i you know the funny thing is now that you're seeing people around the league applauding Antonio Brown for what he did. And it's almost like... For what part in, of what he did. It, all right. It's almost like since... And 
I hate to bring this up because obviously I feel strongly against it, but it's what Colin Kaepernick started. It's like taking a stance of, well, I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to say, like, this is what I believe in, in order to get my way kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the, the best way that I could say that to keep it somewhat politically correct because I obviously But we're not politically correct on yeah. this channel, just the, so everybody knows. And again, that's a whole other $20. But I, I think that's the play that he took, you know, was like, I am going to just become an asshole to get what I ultimately want, which is what he which got. Which one, Le- Le'Veon or Antonio? Because they both, both did it. Well, Antonio Brown doing it this year, you know, and maybe by seeing what Le'Veon Bell was doing, okay, I'm just going to sit out and I'm going to ride this out because I know somebody at the end of the day, somebody's going to pay me. Somebody's going to give me the money that I want and somebody's going to give me the opportunity. And then, you know, yeah, even more. Yeah, but Brown than... showed up. He just threw, he threw fits. He was a little temper tantrum. Well, and that's why I, I say it's a little bit different yeah, in his Bell case. Yeah, Bell just that's was exactly, like, yeah, ah, right. I don't care about my team. Right. I'm going to go over here and go jet skiing. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'm not going to show up. No. Period. He left his team high and dry. They counted on him. They depended on him. He was a big part of their game and he's gone. You know, he's out just because he wasn't getting paid what he felt he should get paid because it's all about the money now. Nobody cares about the actual sport. And, you know, you're, this is, this is what you have on your team. So yeah, I I would never want them on my team. I hope the Falcons never pick these guys up. They're trouble, trouble, trouble. And they should learn that guess what? There's more people coming out of college and guess what? They'll take your spot in a heartbeat because they want it. They're hungry for it. Yes and no. No, they won't to a certain degree. And that's what I think Antonio Brown is saying. That's what, speaking of your team, Julio Jones did last year. It's like, look, this is who I am. This is what I have done. And this is what I'm capable of. Please compensate me accordingly. You know, don't put me, you know, I think he was, his pay at the time was, I don't know, it was something outrageous compared to what the top 10 receivers were in the NFL. So I think, you know, in the case of Julio Jones, not he didn't he sat out of mini camps, which was a play, and that's just a strategic play. He didn't sit out of any games, but guys have in the past in order to get a, a, the negotiations going and the ball rolling, like how much do I really mean to you? So I can see that, but at some point as a player, you owe it to your team to show up. Yes. You owe especially whenever point, you're being always. offered absurd amount of money. In the case of Le'Veon Bell, they, I mean, they were he was already the highest paid running back in the league. What else do you want, brother? What else do you want? You know, I mean that to me is like you just you know, you're being a spoiled brat. You know, that's what that is. And I think Antonio Brown had seen some of that and what that how that was going and he said, All right, well this is what I'm gonna do. What would they do if Zeke didn't show up? Just decided he didn't want to show up anymore. Well, I, I think that, you know, stars in all sports are, are treated a little bit differently. Yeah, you know? but, but if Jason Garrett had that on his team, do you really think that he'd just be like, cool? I would hope not. Yeah. I would hope, I, not. I would hope not, too. I think, you, I mean, you have to I really that. don't think Dan Quinn would put up with it. I think that this is something that, again, goes back to the leadership is not t- handling business very well. And I don't know who that is. Tomlin? Or the general manager, whoever they are, whoever. Maybe it's them. Maybe. But now they've lost him. He's gone on to Oakland. Yeah. And... And Le'Veon may follow. It's the rumor. So now they're just going to have the same problem Everybody's going to Oakland. But maybe that's because they're moving to Vegas. Well, speaking of Vegas, the odds on Oakland winning the Super Bowl have 
significantly dropped since signing Antonio Brown. Dropped? Yeah, they, they, I mean, have significantly improved. Okay. You know, so whatever the odds, I don't know what the exact odds are, for example. Let's see. Yeah, we'll probably get it here. But it went from being a long shot to not so much a long shot, but still a long shot. Antonio Brown, Vegas. So what do you think about um, them going to Oakland? Do you think Gruden will be able to get them under, for lack of a better word, control, be a better leader with them? Because I I feel like people aren't really liking how Gruden's doing either. No, I I think think Gruden will be fine in that regard. I I do. I don't – he's not a guy that uh, puts up with any – any junk, you know, he he's definitely a disciplinarian. Um, mm-hmm. But they are bringing problematic players in. But, again, it's Oakland. I mean, it's so dysfunctional to begin with. You know, they can't pick where they want to play. They're moving to Vegas. They're still, the problem is they still have the same team. And the odds right here went from 75-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Now that they got Antonio Brown, they dropped, you know, a third to 50-1. to 1. Now yeah, that they have him. But let's think about that. They had him at um, in Pittsburgh. They didn't go to the playoffs. So I don't think you can put all your money yeah, on Antonio one, No, Brown. it's not. You still you have, the same, you still have the same guy throwing the ball. Him. Yeah, but you say run, one wrong thing to him. He yeah. might not show up that week. If right. you don't hang out with him, his feelings are going to get mm-hmm. hurt. You know, like you have somebody who's really touchy that you're depending on. Yeah. I don't care if the odds improved for them to win or not. I wouldn't take them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't take them either. You still I'll have, they bet still Jason <laughs> again this year that the Falcons will do better than the Raiders. Uh, that'll Christmas. be interesting this year. Oh, no, they'll do better. That will be. We know the Cowboys will do better than both of them. Right. You, know, you heard it first. You heard it first. Mm-hmm. You heard it straight from... Yep, right from the horse's mouth. <laughs> the football junkie's mouth. Mm-hmm. All right, so what do but, you think about um, Oakland going to Vegas? Do you think that that's going to do it? What I'm is the reason for with it? That. And it all comes down to money. It all comes down to, mm-hmm. you know, long-term success, you know, and, and yeah, and long-term profits. You know, that's what it is. The, you know, the Raiders organization has been so they left Oakland went back they went to Los Angeles then they left there and then they you know they bounced around back in Oakland the fans love them Oakland fans love the Oakland Raiders are they going to you know? still love them yes Raiders fans will still love the Raiders they don't care where they play and I think they know that the ownership knows that um I I can't think of the guy's name that owns the team um it's his son now Mark Davis yeah Mark Davis yeah he, uh, you know, just like his dad, he doesn't care. He's just looking at, you know, looking at the money, just like Al Davis did. And he knows that they're going to make a ton of money in, in Vegas, which I think they will. And I think this is all predicated by the success that the Vegas Knights have had in hockey. And if you're able to do that in hockey, which is the least paying, the least profitable of all major sports in the United States, you know, then what the hell is football going to do in freaking Vegas? I mean, think about that. Like, it's going to blow up. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have such a transient fan base. You know, you're going to have people in there just going to see a game because they're in Vegas on a Sunday, you know, and they know that they can go watch the Raiders and go see this magnificent stadium. So you're going to get a lot of non-Raiders fans there, but the Raiders fans will travel. When are they you know, they get a lot of Raiders fans all across the country. When are they moving to Vegas? 2020. They don't even know where I they will. <laughs> I was just reading something about they're not even sure where they're going to play next year. Let's see. They have one game left at Oakland Coliseum this season. They do not have anywhere. They do not have a lease to play anywhere in 2019. So, so who are knows? they not going to play? No, they're still going to play. 
How? They'll probably end up moving to like the Coliseum in uh, in, in Los Angeles. They may, who knows? They may. But end up they're the back Vegas there. Raiders. They're going to have to. They're going to play in L.A. still. No, actually, they, they're not going to be called the Vegas Raiders until next year. You know, until the season's until the twenty twenty season, until that comes upon us. And so they're building the stadium right now for them. Yeah, which will be done. Yep, won't be ready until twenty twenty. Two hundred million dollar investment. Two hundred million dollars. I could think of a lot of things I could do with two hundred million dollars. No, actually, it may be more than that. That's what the investment was in ninety five. Yeah, ninety five. That's what to uh, go back to Oakland. Okay, so with Oakland moving to Vegas, do you think that that's going to cause some um, some some gambling? Uh, Issues, some some player uh, money. How is it going to affect changing? it? Yeah, it's. I don't think it's going to affect it at all. I, I really don't. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement around that, but I don't think it's going to change it at all because it's so big to begin with. It doesn't matter where you're playing, Oakland, Vegas. You know, it, you know, you could be playing in New York, here in Florida. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's so much money and there's so much attention to these games and so much money that's changed hands on a weekly basis. It's incredible. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. So yeah. is it is the fact that the, the Raiders playing in Vegas going to have some influence on gambling? At the end of the day, no. I think people are going to get excited because it's in the area of gambling. You know, it may spark some other betters, possibly, you know, to make wagers. But at the end of the day, it's not going to change anything. I still think it's, you know, there are games that are going to be fixed. You know, I think that there's... You don't think that theirs will be even more fixed? <laughs> No, you know, I and I, you know, the odds honestly, makers will be it, like, ah, and that would come really be ref. some shit. That would really be some shit, you know, because I of being right there, you know, of being right there. If we were to ever find out, like, hey, you know, I mean, it, it's not, it's not unfathomable because you had guys from New Jersey and New York go talk to a couple players that played at where it was Syracuse or St. John's back in the eighties, whenever they caught their Boston College, you know, I forget what school it was. Whenever they paid off a player, he got caught for point shaving, you know? And it's like, okay, well, it makes sense. I mean, you got all the bookies and, you know, the mobsters here. You know, this is the area where they're located. So why yeah. not go right up the street to one of these schools? But on a professional level, it's just so big. I don't think that's going to matter. They can do it already. You see what I mean? But it'd be interesting to see do that. You think it, it, would do I it? be shocked? Would I be shocked if there was to be a little. I'm not going to say some infiltration because I think it already exists, but if there was good, you know, if they were to get, you know, in pretty, I guess, pretty tight, I, I don't know. I mean, I would be surprised. How do you monitor that? I mean, it's so close. It's within the same city. Like, how do you, I mean, to me, I'm like, that's, I don't know. I feel like it's dangerous, isn't it? Football, one of the highest bet sports. Still, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The most bet or and whatever. Probably the I would imagine it's the you know the the most wagered sport. You know, horse racing. I'm sure I'm sure is up there. Boxing used to be up there. I don't know if it still is. Which happens you know. in Vegas, so yeah, right. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm just like I want to see. I'm nosy. I'm the, gonna watch them. The amount of money that's bet on football every week, college and pro, is absolutely absolutely ridiculous. It's just absolutely insane how much is out there. And there is so much money to be made by Wait so many Wait a second. People places. are betting on college students? On college students. That's pretty say, crazy, yeah. Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Why would anyone do that? 19 year olds, 19 and 20 year olds. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but for some reason we all still do it, you know, shamefully. So if you think that um, I know the what NFL, I was doing at 1920. if you think that the NFL is guilty of um, fixing for the odds makers, fixing the games, you have to believe that the, the college level, they would definitely be willing to do that when they make zero dollars, living on no money. Absolutely. And busting their butts for football. You offer me some money, I'm like thinking, yeah, I might do that. Yeah, I know. I absolutely think that. I think it would be much easier to, to convince a college kid... Again, you know, we're talking about 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, you know, who aren't getting paid, who are already griefed about the fact that they're not getting paid for a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. who, you know, who are your more talented players, and even the ones that aren't, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, you see the, the decision-making process at 19 years old is not a great one, you know, I, it's just not, I mean, I had, you know, my hat's off to you if you're 19 and, and you're able to make absolute solid, great decisions all the time. You know, Lord knows I did it. <laughs> I mean, it's some of that stuff you learn from. But yes, I think it would be much easier to take a college kid to say, hey, shank a field goal or two or, you know, botch a snap or, you know, throw a pick or whatnot. You know, it, it, we've talked about this. And I think that definitely the college kids are um, going to be easily swayed. And we've also talked about you think that, you know, like um, in the NFL, that the snappers and, you know, whatever they that they would be easily swayed i think you're still making what four hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of money to just throw a ball like or whatever kick it you know like that's a lot of money so to me i'm thinking well maybe you know it might be more prevalent that a um ref would do it they might throw more personal fouls or whatever on one team and weigh them down where they can't get as many points. That is more likely. Well, what do you think? Let me say this. All right. It's estimated that there is $6 billion that is wagered on the Super Bowl every year. Now, obviously, it's the Super Bowl. And There's you've a only done amount. half of that. Six, yeah. <laughs> $6 billion. Uh-huh. So $400,000 to you and I sounds like a lot of money. Uh-huh. Whenever we're talking about the potential for a multi-million dollars on one game, you don't think that you can still take a guy who's making 400000 okay, who may be at the end of his career or, you know, knows that he doesn't have a chance or is disgruntled already, whatnot, and say, hey, man, you know, you watch this snap and, you know, we're going to make sure that uh, instead of you making 400000 you know, you're going to make $2 million today. No, because I think as an adult, I I mean, yeah, there's going to be the outliers that will do that. But as an adult, I know, what am I going to do? How am I going to hide $2 million? Like, what am I going to... Give it to me. I'll hide it. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll figure something out. Yeah, no problem, right? But like, you know, you can't hide my... That's that's a good problem Yeah. But I mean, as an adult, I'm going to think about those kind of things. I'm going to say, no, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the wrong person. Now, I get most people are probably not that honest. They probably would take. Now, if you put that in front of me, I don't know if I could say that. But right now, I can look at it and I can be like, no, that's so stupid. Okay, that's your mentality. 
that is your mentality. But a 20-year-old, you, you do good that, I want to be like, yeah, I never have to, I don't right. have to worry about That's anything. you making, you know, a, a good moral decision. You know, that all goes back to look at some of the decisions these guys are making. You wouldn't set out a full season. Hell, you wouldn't set out the last week of practice if you yeah. know your team's, you know, the, your whole season's on the line. You know, you wouldn't do that. So take the mentality that we're dealing with, especially given this whole I, I, I thing. Yeah. Now you're like, okay, you know what? You know, here, we're going to pay you for your moment to shine. You're not going to shine, really. You're going to look. And that's even worse. Like, now you want me to look like an asshole and you're going to give me a bunch of money that I can't hide or know what to do with. Like, I'm going to get caught. And they go out and they spend all this money on their, like, gold chains and their their big whatever. Flossing, man. Huh? Flossing. Flossing. Yeah, Yeah, flossing. I don't know. I think you're closer to being able to do it with a college kid than you're able to in the pros. And so, I don't know. But speaking of college kids, moving right along, dude. Mm -hmm. All right. So, we're coming up on the draft. Yeah. A few weeks away. Seven weeks. Six weeks. Yeah, six weeks. Somewhere along there. A lot of good talent. A lot of good players in this year's draft. Yeah? Yeah, Did you watch the combine stuff? I watched a little bit of it. You know, not a ton. It's, it, I don't know. I don't put a, a, a ton of stock into it. You know, you, you get some really, really impressive things. I was looking at, it was just yesterday that I was look, watching the Stephen Paya, okay, a couple years ago, set the bench press record. All right. Bench press 225 pounds 49 times, broke the record, uh-huh. which is it's amazing. It's an amazing feat. The next closest guy was like 44, then, you know, 43, 43, 43, 42, you know. And it's all relatively in the past 15 years that this has happened. You see an increase. And I think it's just athletes improving, you know, the technology, just athleticism itself. But if you look at the names of the top 10 guys that are on there, I don't even recognize most of them. Really? So it's, yeah, it's an impressive feat. You're strong. And yes, you absolutely need to be strong. But do you need to be that strong? That may be where your talent is. It doesn't tell me what your talent is as a defensive tackle. It doesn't tell me what your talent is as a defensive end or, you know, you know how good you move your feet as a guard or a tackle or, you know, you know, your knowledge of the game as a center. It doesn't tell me any of that. And it's obviously going to be your defensive and offensive lineman putting up these numbers. And then in sprints and whatnot, you expect receivers to be fast. You expect running backs to be fast. Your defensive backs, they need to be fast. Of course... There's also something called game speed, though. You see the game completely different, you know? You can run. There are guys, the, the Raiders, speaking of the Raiders, here we are again, notorious for drafting the fastest guy in, you know, in the combine. And they always think. Can't catch shit. They can't catch a cold. So what is, the, what so, is, what is the combine used for, then? If it has absolutely no purpose, no, then what's it, it used for? It, it, it does hold its purpose. I, I think if... I, I think your draft stock... Is can be more hurt than it can be helped, and I think that's why some guys are pulling away from things that they do at the combine. And you know, I, I think that's why it's like, look, what I have done, Kyler Murray, what I have done in 14, 15 games, you see what I'm capable of, and you see against the skill level that I'm capable of doing this. What else do I need to prove to you? As where you might get some players from smaller schools who people really don't know about. Now, all right. of a sudden, this guy's out running a 4-3. You know, he's you know a, a wide receiver that's bench pressing 225, 25 times. 
you know, you got a vertical leap that's through the ceiling. Wow, you know, that's impressive. This guy has a lot of agility. You know, maybe we can work with this guy. I think that can help in that case. And then you get, you know, your star player who completely screws things up that day, you know, doesn't perform very well. And all of a sudden, you know, you hear all this talk of oh, this guy is amazing, you know, going into the combine, you know, all this hype. And now he doesn't show up that day. Oh, and now instead of being a top five pick, you hear all this and the media loves it. You know, oh, he's going to drop to 15, 20. And these guys are losing millions and millions of dollars based on that. But do they actually drop or does that, is that just the media saying yeah. that? Does it actually make them? In some cases, yeah, I think it but does. I think in Kyle Murray's case, it's not. Yeah, I mean, but they're also using the combine as a way to interview yeah. players. So I I was reading about Kyler Murray and how, you know, they think that he doesn't interview very well. Well, I don't interview very well. Like, this what was, the hell does that mean? Like, he's not there to interview. Charlie Casserly, yeah. the former uh, former GM of, uh, of the Redskins in Houston, all right, and he's currently an NFL uh, network analyst, said, in his words, these were worst... These were worst comments I have ever got on a high-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time. Leadership, not good. Study habits, not good. The board work, below not good. Not good at all in any of those areas, raising major concerns about what this guy is going to do. Wow. And, I mean, that's a, if you're Kyler Murray, all right, here you go. This is your you know, claim to fame here. This is all about his feelings. Okay, yeah. how would you feel if oh, you I would heard be this? So if, you, if you were Kyler Murray, I would be so pissed. I would be like, "Listen, I bust my butt on that field all the time." But to would show you, you? You you've already been drafted into the major league. You're a top ten major league baseball player. You're a top ten pick. Yeah. Okay, you have that option. You know, in the back of your mind, you could say, "F off, I'm out of here. I'm just, I'll just go play baseball, and make millions there." You know, and you have somebody saying this about you. You just won the Heisman. You made it to the football playoff. How do you? How do you feel? How, how do you think that you would feel? I just said, I feel like I would feel defeated about well, see, that. Yeah, it would still take a hit on you, I would imagine. I think I would, I would actually, like, I don't know. For me, it would make me feel, it would make me feel really defeated. I would feel deflated, right? But, you got so many people supporting you and saying, like, no, that's not in fact true. He is... But the guy's speaking on, okay, what people were saying about him during interviews in there. Not his abilities on the field. Right. They're talking about interviews. I'm like, seriously? You're upset with a guy because he doesn't talk well in front of a group, speak the way that you think he should speak in front of a group of people? Yeah, like, it, who you know, cares? I, I don't know if it was so much, you know, how he was speaking in front of a, a group of The whiteboard? Yeah, the whiteboard, you know, your X's and O's of football. Yes. That kind of thing, you know? Which, it, it, that is a very vital part, especially as a quarterback. Okay, you know, but you, I you do my job every day. I right. do my job every day, and guess what? I cannot sit down and explain to somebody else details of what I do in my job. I'm going to leave something out, or I'm going to forget something, or I'm better at let me showing show you. you. Hands on. Let me, yeah, yeah, let me get out put, there. Put me in front of it. Let me out there in real life. and Well, you know, and, and this is what I always say, you know. There are... The guy came in after Baker Mayfield and did, did just as well. Sean McVay, the coach for the Rams. Okay. A lot of people consider him an offensive genius. Mm -hmm. Okay? He's an offensive genius. Sean McVay never played in the NFL. 
Okay. The guy knows the X's and O's much better than he was able to play the game. I think the same, and my point behind that is, yes, he knows that whiteboard. You would say this guy, oh, my goodness, he'd be blown away by the way he knows the whiteboard, his study habits, his leadership, that kind of thing. All the things that they're marking him off on. But obviously he didn't do enough on the field. And this is not to discredit the guy. To play in the NFL is just that you've got to be at a tremendous, tremendous level. Yeah. Obviously, there you know there are guys who perform better on the field. Whenever it's really coming at you, whenever you have you know you got a six five, two hundred seventy five you know uh, pound defensive end coming flying in your face, you know, and you're on a seven step drop, and you got to get rid of the ball eventually. You got to hurry up and get rid of the ball, you know, with this guy coming in your face, and your guys haven't even broken out of their routes, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, you know you got to have that. You, you got to have it. You got to be able to do it on the field. And I think this kid's able to do it on the field. And I think that's really that's what That's where it matters. Most. Yeah. So it, there's like a mixed opinion about this now. Is, you know, is he going to be the first overall pick? Is he, you know, is he going to be a top pick or not? You know, that's literally, it was just kind of left wide open, the article. You know, he may, he may not. Who knows? You well, know. I was reading something else where they were saying um, that because he was a black um, quarterback, quarterback, that it was um, that that was part of the problem, and that you know that they were being too that they were being overly hard on him, just like they were with uh, Jameis Winston. Yeah, and um, being too critical. Yeah. Yeah, being too critical of it, and it's true. You know, whether it's it's announced or it's you know or not, I think there has been this stigma towards towards black quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, for a long time that you know in in, in a very very negative way, saying that. You know, that a, a black quarterback didn't have the intellectual capabilities as a white quarterback. Just saying that, it, which is, you know, which is hiatus. That's ridiculous. That's just absolutely right. ridiculous. You know, there are, there are guys that have played the position, you know, that have been both African-American, white, whatever color, you know, mm-hmm. that know the game better than anybody else your quarterback should. And have done amazing, amazing things. I think Cam Newton does you know, really Cam well. Cam Newton's incredible. Yeah. Russell Wilson is yeah. as good as they come as a quarterback and as good as they come as a leader. You know, so that's, you know. I the, had him on my fantasy. I had to fire him. <laughs> he wasn't that great. Based on fantasy. I'd take him on my team any day. All He's right. more than welcome to be you a can Cowboy. Have him if I, I would ever absolutely take him. him. Bring Earl Thomas with you while you're at it. You know, but that's a, you know, that's what we're hoping for. The, uh. So I, I think that's a bunch of BS, you know. I, I, I think them doing that, you know, by saying because he's black is, a, you know, that's really a jab at him. I don't think that's a, that's right. Um, and I don't think anybody should make that claim either without knowing that as a fact. And, right. It you was know, a, it's, don't a, make it a, a racial writer, thing, you yeah. know what I mean? You know, at the end of this day, end of the day, I think the kid has to show up and still do his job. I just hope that he doesn't have additional pressure now because of this. He can use it as motivation. Hopefully, that's what happens. Well, I look um, at him and I say to myself, like, okay, so you didn't um, communicate things well to people during an interview process, or you didn't, you know, find the exemplify of yeah, those qualities. So what? So what? Guess what? Cam Newton's great. Sometimes he says some stupid shit. Yeah, right. And he um, admits it. Yeah, yeah, and he admits it. That's all you got to do. Be able to laugh at yourself. Don't let them put you down. Don't let them keep you down. Like, Bill Belichick, I think, you know, he's the worst. Like, he literally says nothing. Yeah. Tom Brady does it for him. Yeah, right. And he shows what he does. Bill Belichick doesn't care because guess what? His people are performing. He's doing fine. Speaks for itself. Yeah. Tom Brady speaks for himself with his whatever. Everybody thinks he's so great. But, like, 
you know, he plays great and he comes in and he interviews well. So he makes up for Bill Belichick not speaking. He speaks almost too much. So this guy, maybe whoever picks him up, the coach will be a great speaker, a prolific, you know, whatever. Everyone will love him. It doesn't matter if he can speak. And it's a skill that can be tuned. You, that's, that's a skill that somebody can help you with. They cannot make you a better quarterback, but they can make you a better interviewer. So who cares? Yeah, it's... To me, I'm like, who cares? Okay, Big X, X on that. Yeah, yeah done. Forget it. Throw that out. Throw it out. Throw it out the window. Who cares? Okay, so... Uh, all right. But I also Playing think I should have a million-dollar job and not be able to interview well because I don't interview well either, so I feel bad for So it. you feel for him. I feel for him. Hey, you can, you can sympathize can do, with him. Yeah, I can do any So you're rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. You're rooting for him. Even if he goes, let's say if he went to if he went to Tampa Bay, or obviously Carolina's not going to take him. Tampa needs to get rid of Jameis Winston, so... But they're they're not going to take him. I don't care if he goes to if he went to Tampa. Let's just say theoretically, Tampa is so bad that I would probably be. (laughs) I would feel bad for him. I would feel bad that he is like in um, in a place where he's not even going to be that great. He's not going to stand out. I would feel bad for him. I would be glad. What if he went to the Saints, your favorite team? The Saints, the Saints wouldn't know what to do with him. They don't know. know, He was the future of their team after Breeze leaves. You still rooting for Kyler Murray? No. <laughs> no, here's the honesty. No, no I'm I not. just rooted for him to be drafted. That was I it. just think that I they know. should draft him, but that, he, none of those teams really need him. Tampa's not getting rid of Jameis. They had, uh, what was the guy's name? That Fitzpatrick. Was, yeah, and he was doing great. They, as soon as that guy came back, this schmuck comes back, they put him in there, and I'm like, he's, oh, he's killing terrible. your team. He's terrible. He's terrible. But he's, you put him he, back. I have, but okay, but here it brings us back full circle then. All right. His leadership skills were questionable, okay, and still continue to remain questionable. Now, it's not a, his, I think, is a character Who, issue. Jameis Winston. Oh, yeah. As where Kyler Murray is, is not a character issue. We've never heard about this guy getting in trouble, never heard about him being an asshole, you know, anything like that. You know, it's not. So I, I think this is what they're saying about him. And if it were to negatively impact him, I think it's going to be ridiculous. It's not a character issue. You don't have a guy that's, you know, digging himself a hole. He's like, he just wants to go out and play football. That's it. And to me, it's like, to me, I'm more interested in the kid. The fact that he says, I'm going to give up possibly playing 15 seasons in the major league because baseball players can play forever. You know, I'm going to give up 15 years to play in the major league, have a healthier body, you know, at the end of it all make just as much, if not more money to come and play football and take my chance. You know, to me that shows, you know, this kid really wants to be here. This is really what he wants to do. So I'm more impressed with him making that decision, you know, and then showing where his heart is, you know, listen, Brett Favre, Brett Favre made some of the most horrendous throws and stuff that you would never do as a coach. You just want to pull your hair out. And he did some things that at times you still want to pull your hair out, but he made it work. You know, he was just Amazing. You yeah. Know, absolutely amazing. You know why? Because he had so much heart into it. Yeah. You know, he absolutely wanted to win. I'll take guys like that on my team all day long. All day. I feel like that's what this guy is. Yeah. I'll take it. So, I feel like we've really hit a lot of points here. Some hot topics mm-hmm. in, in football. There's a whole bunch more whole we more can talk about. Plenty more coming. Plenty more yeah, coming. Yeah, plenty more coming. If, if You know what? If it were for these guys doing... You know, some of their uh, shenanigans. <laughs> we probably wouldn't even be here talking about this. <laughs> yeah, we'd have nothing to talk about. Come on. 
So as long as they just keep being selfish and crazy yeah. and, you know, great at football, stinky at interviews, we always got something to talk about. So we will see you again. Or you'll hear from us again. Yeah. <laughs> you'll hear from us again on an uneven playing field. Thanks for listening in. Yep.